to spend some time praying about the situation in Ukraine. And to do that, I'm going to frame it from Scripture, from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, the helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid that the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with a turmoil. There is a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling of the Most High God. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns, nations rage, kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So you see two cities there in that psalm. You see the city of God. God is our refuge and strength. He's holding us. He's protecting us. He's keeping us steady and stable. And then you see the city of man. You see wars. You see rumors of wars. But the one thing that's for both is God is above it all. And his purposes will stand. No matter what we see in the news, God's purposes will stand. So it's with that spirit, let's pray for that situation in Ukraine. Will you bow your heads with me? And I have a few prompts to kind of guide your prayer. Although if God lays something else to pray on your heart, by all means, pray that. So first, pray for God to protect and provide for Ukrainian Christians that they would not fear that they would be great witnesses to others for Christ in this time and that through their witness many would come to faith in Christ And now pray for God to continue to help the brave Ukrainian resistance against this evil aggression. Pray for the protection of its citizens, provision of what they need in this time of such instability. And pray this this invasion will fail and that the Ukrainian president Zelensky would be kept safe.
Now pray that God would see to it that Russian leader Vladimir Putin and his evil plans for conquest are stopped and pray that he is removed from power and held accountable. Pray for our leadership in the United States. Pray for NATO country leadership would demonstrate courage and conviction in their decisions about this matter. Last, pray that on this Lord's Day morning that Christians everywhere, all over the globe, would trust that God's purposes will stand no matter what, would not be afraid, and that God would glorify himself in all of this. Father, we, we announce that you are our refuge, that you are our source of stability, no matter the chaos that we see going on in our world. You're our lasting hope, and we know that your purposes for the gospel, your purposes for people to come to know Christ and that all nations would bow before you, we'll stand. We pray for your glory in this. We pray that your goodness and justice would be clearly demonstrated, Lord. We pray that you would not remain silent in the face of this evil that we see. We pray for stability in the world order and peace because that is the backdrop that's best for the progress of the gospel to the nations. Or we also pray this just for your grace toward all, all humanity. Or you're loving and compassionate over all you have made. Lord, we pray that you would act in this situation. Bring a a resolution that is right and and just and and good and, and peaceful. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. A few years ago, I read a really interesting book. It was a fiction book. Uh, There's a movie now that's been made since. It's called Ready Player One. And in this book, it's sort of in the not-too-distant future. 
technology had advanced as such to where everybody lived in this virtual reality called the oasis. So they would sit most of their days with virtual reality goggles and equipment on and they would experience the world in which they lived in this platform, even though it, it wasn't real. Let me read how the oasis is described in this book. In the oasis, the overweight could become thin, the ugly could become beautiful, and the shy extroverted or vice versa. You could change your name, age, sex, race, height, weight, voice, hair color, and bone structure. Or you could cease being human altogether and become an elf, an ogre, alien, or any other creature from literature, movies, or mythology. Now that doesn't sound too far-fetched from where things are headed with, with technology today, but if we do head there, do you know what's missing from that? Bodies. It's the physical world that God has made. God's given us bodies. And far from us trying to escape our bodies or, or leave them behind, they're a blessing from God. And they're a part of, of who we are as human beings. They allow us to interact with the world. They're a part of our our person and our personality. It's, it's with our bodies that we form relationships with others. So God's created the physical world. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see this repeated. And God called it good. He said, it is, it is good. Our bodies were God's plan. Our, God, our bodies are God's design. They're a big part of who we are. People created in the image of God. So last week we did cover what it means to be made in the image of God. I'm going to return to those same focal verses that we had last week just with a different topic that we're going to focus on um, today. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And, and what is the focal point that we're going to talk about today? It's our bodies. Our bodies and, and being male and female in particular are an important part of who we are as those created in the image of God. So let's read these two verses together again. Genesis chapter 1. Verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole creation, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. There are three truths that I want to highlight for you today about our bodies. First, the body and even your body 
was God's idea, and it's a gift of God. Number two, the body is a part of who we are. And then three, the body reflects God, including our gender, in male or female. Lots of the ideas from today's sermon wanted to mention come from a book called What God Has to Say About Our Bodies by Sam Alberry. Uh, learned a lot from that, so naturally I sort of took away some things and adapted it and made it my own, but I always want to give credit where credit is due. So in a psalm written long ago, several hundred years before the birth of Christ in the Old Testament, King David meditated on the glory of the human body. Psalm 139, most of you will recognize this or you know it by heart. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably or fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wondrous and I know this well. My, my bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth. So far from being an accident or something that, that we have to escape, King David, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, shows us that our bodies are one of the greatest gifts that God has given to each one of us. Each one of us has been handmade in the image of God with incredible detail, and not one of us is the same as another. In fact, in this psalm, King David was praising him, was praising God for how God had made him. Are you able to do that? God, I praise you for the way that I look. I praise you for the body that you have given me. I praise you for my personality. He wasn't being arrogant. He wasn't, he wasn't bragging. He was just amazed that he's alive and that God has given him a remarkable gift. If you're not able to praise God for how he's made you, listen to these amazing facts about your body and see if this helps you to praise God because of it. If a human being's DNA were uncoiled, it would stretch 10 million miles. That would be from Earth to Pluto and back in each one of our bodies. Our little finger contributes to over 50% of the hand's strength. Messages from the human brain travel along nerves throughout our bodies up to 200 miles per hour. The brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections. A human eye can distinguish between approximately 10 million different colors. So no artificial intelligence, no computer can compare to the bodies that God has crafted and made for each one of us. Just as the psalmist said, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Our, our bodies were meant 
to be awe-inspiring to us. They're meant to spark worship down deep in our heart because of our Creator and how good He is to us. So first we have to remember that our bodies were not an accident. The physical world that God created was not an accident. God called it good, and it's according to his good plan, and it's a great gift that God has given us. And next we need to know our bodies are an important part of who we are. There is a huge lie going on in our culture about our bodies and our souls. And the lie goes like this. This is just my body that you see. It's not the real me. Who I am is who I am on the inside. Who I feel that I am. And with this popular lie, the body is really viewed as an unneeded fixture to who we really are. The body just kind of transports our true selves around. By the way, this is just a, a remake of an ancient heresy called Gnosticism that was around in the first century, um, kind of right after the letters of the New Testament were written. This became popular, but it's just a rehashing of that. This is a powerful message for people today. And it's preached in various ways in our culture. Take, for example, the movie Avatar. If you haven't seen the movie Avatar, this came out um, a few years ago. It's a sci-fi movie, and it's about, again, in the future, it's about how humans have found a new planet, and on this planet is a vital resource, a, a mineral that they found for energy. So they want to go there and mine this resource to be able to use it to, to power their ships and, and different things. Only problem is, this planet is inhabited by really tall, large, blue, yet humanoid creatures called the Navi. So what the military does is figure out a way that they can clone Navi bodies and then transport somehow the consciousness of their soldiers into these Navi bodies. So they're able to change their bodies based on their inner consciousness. So literally in that movie, the body is just a transport. It doesn't matter whether you're human or Navi. The real self is your inner consciousness. So you may get the point that this message leads people to assume that the body is no big deal. The real person is on the inside. The body really is inconsequential. You can get to decide what you want to be based on your feelings, not on any type of objective reality that God has created. But according to Genesis 1, as we've heard, the body 
isn't just an accessory of who we are. It's an important part of who we are. While the Bible doesn't tell us the body is everything, because our bodies will die, right? Our soul will go to heaven if we know Christ to be with God. But that even isn't the end of the story in Christian theology for our bodies. The Bible tells us that when Jesus returns a second time, he'll resurrect those who are, who are dead in Christ. And the soul, their souls, will become reunited with their bodies. And we will live forever in perfected, indestructible, resurrected bodies forever and ever in the new heavens and new earth. So heaven itself will be a, a physical reality, just perfected and transformed like God originally intended. So human beings are, are both body and souls. We're embodied souls as God has made us, and, and both of those are important. So the body is not everything, but the body also is not nothing either. Which brings us to the last truth about the body that we're going to cover this morning. The body is meant to reflect God's glory and design, including in our gender, male or female. So it's not hard to predict where this line is taking us. This popular cultural lie that's so different from God's word. I am who I feel I am on the inside. We see where this is leading us today. It leads to, to confusion, moral confusion that we see today in our nation, at least on two different fronts. First, in sexuality. If we don't take how God has designed our bodies seriously, especially in relation to his plan for marriage, for sex, and the opposite sex, it leads us to moral confusion and brokenness. You see, God's design for marriage and sex in marriage from Genesis 1 is grounded in two sexes, male and female, being made in God's image. And he made Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, and he, God himself, united them in marriage and they became one flesh so if we don't take god's design for marriage and our bodies seriously it's not a stretch to see how that lie becomes i'm not a body i am who i feel that i am on the inside then there's another step that many people are taking it doesn't matter who that you love, male or female, love is love. So because feelings matter more than anything else, right and wrong become relative based on our emotions. And, and this is where this lie comes from. It's a distortion of how God has made us as human beings, body and soul both of which God has given us and takes seriously. 
And the second way this lie confuses people is by what you see today with all the controversy surrounding gender identity, as it is called by our culture. The lie being your identity is separate from your body, as we've already seen. And since Bruce Jenner appeared on the cover of Vanity Fair in 2015, announcing that his new gender identity is now Caitlyn Jenner, the transgender movement has come upon us warp speed with an aggression that is really unlike, I think, anything that we've ever seen culturally in our country, at least few things is comparable to this. But without being able to go into a lot of depth in a short sermon, let me just say a couple things from Genesis 1 today about this. Number one, according to the Bible, biology and gender are tied together. They're inseparable. You can't separate the two no matter how you feel you are on the inside. God created our bodies as male and female, and we reflect him in his glory, either as male or female. And there are commonalities, obviously, between male and female, but there's a lot of differences as well. And we'll see that as we go through Genesis chapters 1 through 11, especially in chapters 2 and 3. Okay, so number two response to this And I'm just going to read you a direct quote from the book that I mentioned earlier from Sam Alberry's book because I can't say it any better and I thought he really hit the nail on the head here. He said maleness and femaleness are physically grounded. Maleness and femaleness are physically grounded, not psychologically determined. So it's not just who you think you are. It's who you are as God has made you because we're biologically grounded as male or female. And he goes on, when Genesis 1.27 talks about us being made male and female, it is talking about us being physically made as such. So I know that there are a lot of questions that are left unanswered this morning. And, and also, we must be compassionate and kind to those who are genuinely experiencing confusion about their their gender. This is called gender dysphoria. And then be gracious also to people even if they disagree with us. And and our culture around this, this subject is becoming even hostile toward us. We stand on the truth, but we love people. And at the same time, we don't downgrade the truth. We believe the truth as God has taught us and the word of God, realizing that the word of God is unchangeable. We shouldn't change it in the name of compassion or empathy because that really isn't compassion or empathy. If we're agreeing with a lie that our culture has, Because lies don't come from God, they come from the devil. So his truth has to be the foundation and the authority over any discussion that we have about our bodies and gender and identity. So let me end with the ultimate way we can overcome the culture's lie about our body. The body doesn't matter, 
It's who we are and who we feel that we are on the inside that matters. And the way that we overcome this lie is surrendering ourselves to God. I know that may sound very simple, but this is really where it starts for every one of us, no matter our struggle with the body. And we may not struggle in these ways that we've We've specifically covered this way, but all of us in some way struggles with our body, whether it be body image, shame, whether it be dealing with um, a a physical uh, problem um, that all physical problems aren't necessarily rooted in your sin, but are in the world because of sin and and the fall. So one day we look forward to where all physical problems will be gone. We'll have a world without end and things will be perfect. We'll have new resurrected bodies. So all of us struggle with the body in some way. And all of us struggle even more with identity in in some way. And with identity... We aren't who we feel that we are. We aren't who people say that we are. We aren't what we accomplish. We aren't what we look like. We aren't what we own. We aren't what our position is in the world. We we aren't ultimately who our friends are. We are who God says that we are. In Christ, we are his children. In Christ, we have an inheritance. In Christ, we are forgiven in him. In Christ, we are redeemed. In Christ, we are dearly loved. In Christ, we are the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And speaking of that... Jesus Christ became a human being. He knows what it's like to live our life in our world. He became embodied. Jesus Christ is the the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity. He was never created from eternity past to eternity future. He will never change. But 2,000 years ago, he came from heaven to earth and entered into our world, took on human flesh. And he lived a life completely surrendered to God. He lived a life where he constantly trusted in his Father for absolutely everything, including his identity. He followed God's mission and purpose for him to a T, and that even led him to a cross where he died for the sins of the world. All of this was laid upon him. All the wrong that we have done was put on Christ. But three days later, and this is glorious, he was resurrected from the grave in a new body. The disciples saw him. They ate with him after the resurrection. They were able to hug him. 
they recognized him, but somehow he was different to them. And it gives us just a little hint of what our bodies will be like in the new heavens and new earth. So you see, God's plan includes both our souls and our bodies. And to enter into God's plan means that you surrender your life to him. You stop your plans, you stop living your life on your own terms, being autonomous from God, and you yield to Christ, and you trust in what Jesus did for you in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Bible promises that whoever calls out on the name of the Lord like that will be saved. But that is just the beginning for us. We're to live our lives Every day, constantly surrendering to him. A scripture passage came to mind as I was preparing. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, so in view of all that Christ has done for us, I urge you to present your bodies, meaning all of who you are, your body and your soul, your identity, your plans, your everything, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And don't be conformed to this age, so don't believe the lies of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So what is the most pleasing thing that we can do for God in this world, for those who have followed Christ and trusted him, is to daily surrender ourselves to him, everything. Our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, our, our possession, our relationships, our talents and our abilities, our jobs, our families, everything to him. Offer our bodies, meaning body and soul, to Christ daily. And it's amazing what he promises to do. He promises to transform you from the inside out to make you more like Jesus every single day. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we exalt you because of your mercies and of your love. Lord, I pray as people who are, who are given so many different messages in our world, who are told so many lies by the devil and demons themselves, and as people who, who struggle with temptation that comes upon us from our own sinfulness inside of us. Lord, help us daily to offer, our, offer ourselves to you as a, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Will you stand this morning and, and will you consider ways that you need to re-surrender to Christ. Your heart is like, or it can be like an altar where you make spiritual sacrifices to God. What do you need to place on the altar this morning for him?
sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to care. Everything to comes today, and I, I so admire her willingness to come and, and honesty. Um, she just comes today to say that she wants to resurrender her life. She wants to, to be where God wants her um, to be and do what God wants her to do, and she she wants your prayers for that. So if, if you'll pray for her in that, say amen. Amen. God bless you, Jenny. All right, I just wanted to mention one um, announcement, and that is next Sunday evening, we're going to start back with our, our Sunday evening Bible study, and we call this Around the Table because we have round tables that we set out here. It's a casual atmosphere, and we talk, and, and we discuss things. Um, it's a place where you can come and learn and, and ask questions, uh, questions, a non-threatening, just really relaxed um, type of time. But the Bible study itself is called Around the Table, and the study that we're doing is called Rediscover Church. And it's about what is the church? What role does the church play in a believer's life? And then why is this so important? What does the Bible have to say 
about those things. All right, let me close out with a benediction. I'm going to go to Psalm 100 this morning. All right, no matter the news, the purposes of the Lord stand. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs, acknowledging that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Amen. God bless you.